0: Welcome to Asia Rising, a podcast of Latrobe Asia where we discuss news, views and general happenings of Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Roach, Senior Research Fellow in the Department of Politics, Media and Philosophy at La Trobe University and a Latrobe Asia Fellow. The United Nations has declared 2022 as the start of the International Decade of Indigenous Languages. And to mark this occasion, we'll be taking the next three episodes of Asia Rising to examine issues relating to the politics of indigenous languages in Asia. Joining me in the first episode to discuss this is Charisma Lepcha, a visiting scholar at the Harvard Yenching Institute and assistant professor of anthropology at Sikkim University. Charisma is a member of the Lepcha community, a group that is indigenous to the Himalayan mountains. She talks to us about her life and work in the northeast Indian state of Sikkim, nestled between Nepal and Bhutan. Thank you for joining me, Charisma.
1: Thanks, Gerald.
0: Charisma, can you start by telling us a bit about who you are, where you're from, and what languages are spoken there?
1: I'm a teacher of anthropology in Sikkim University, but I specifically get into teaching linguistic anthropology. The majority of the languages spoken are Lepcha, Bhutia, Limbu. All right. Lepcha, Bhutia, Limbu are also taught in university level, which means the only place in the world. Now you can even get PhD in Lepcha, Bhutia, and Limbu in Sikkim University. Along with it, Sikkim actually has 11 other official languages, which are basically Gurung, Magar, Mukhiya, Rai, Sherpa, uh, Tamang, right? But then the lingua franca is Nepali. Although Sikkim would officially like to say it is English is the medium of instruction. And that's what happens most of the time in everyday parlance, especially if you're living in Gantok, your uh, everyday mode of communication, etc., is basically in English. So along with these 11 official languages, um, they also recognize Sanskrit, Tibetan and Hindi as one of the languages spoken. So for a really small state of Sikkim, we've got too many languages, perhaps. <laughs> Not always competing, maybe, but yeah, trying to find their own place. And there are other uh, smaller or lesser spoken languages that are also being discovered or, you know, just a few families who are speaking certain languages. So we are actually coming from a place where there's a lot of different languages. But if we are moving around the state state, it's Nepali. But if you're moving around in urban Gantok, it's usually English, especially the younger generation as such. And I think Sikkim is probably one of the only states recognizing so many languages. So what that means is also that a lot of the government records, etc., is translated in all these languages. So there's something called Sikkim Herald, which is the official newspaper that gets translated in all these
0: Thank you for providing that background for us, Karizma. With 11 languages spoken in a relatively small area and some kind of official recognition for all of those languages from the local government, do people in Sikkim make a distinction between which of those languages are indigenous and which ones are not indigenous? Is the concept of indigeneity part of the way that people talk and think, and act on language in Sikkim?
1: Most of the time people do speak in Nepali, but when you hear someone, I think the most recognized other languages are either uh, Lepcha, Gutia, or Limbu. So these three languages, for us, we know it's indigenous languages, us as in who are in academics or people who are studying languages, but those who are speaking Speaking or the others as such may not necessarily recognize it as indigenous languages. Also, because we don't uh, necessarily have people identifying themselves as I'm indigenous. So, there are four tribes that are recognized as tribals in the state. So, these are Lepcha, Bhutia, uh, Limbu, and Tamang are indigenous languages. But then people are not necessarily saying I'm an indigenous language speaker. Uh, Maybe tribal is. And of course, Mm -hmm. tribal is loaded with a lot of baggage, right? And not just colonial as such, but even in the Indian constitution, the way ST status of people is sort of looked at, looked down upon rather. And uh, because Sikkim is again with both a caste and a tribal society, even the caste people in Sikkim are wanting to be tribes. So the usage of the word indigenous language is not necessarily an accepted or an everyday idea. I think about when I was taking this linguistic anthropology class, I had students from about 14 different indigenous languages in a class of 16 students. And that was the only time, the first time, they were even realizing that their languages were indigenous or their languages were endangered. So this idea of indigenous language or even indigenous people is very restricted only in academics or even universities as such. Also, because Mm -hmm. I think... Government of India does not necessarily recognize the term indigenous.
0: So there's a couple of things which I want to perhaps circle back to later on, but I would like to, uh, for the next question, pick up on a point that you made towards the end where you were talking about the indigenous languages as being endangered languages. Uh, And I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the situation of those languages. How do we know that they're endangered and how endangered are they?
1: All the indigenous languages in the state are endangered, backed up by the UNESCO atlas as such. But if you look in the ground level, when you go across the state, there's very less number of people speaking these languages. And this intergenerational transmission is being stopped as well, you know, because you've got English, you've got Nepali, and these are the languages that you would need for your future career, your jobs, etc. So just to give an example, you know, you have a Lepcha boy who got a job in Kolkata or something. He would rather learn Bengali so he can communicate at the workplace than his uh, language at home. So that's how, you know, we're losing the number of speakers as well. A lot of these languages are not being spoken and people are not realizing. Of course, there was a time, maybe my parents' generation for that matter, who would rather send us to English-speaking schools. Now as well, I mean, if you are in Gantok, you know that majority of the kids go to English medium schools. So when that happens, a lot of these children who were speaking in their Indigenous languages tend to switch and they might not perform well initially, perhaps, but they soon get ahead with it. Of course, I'm talking in general, but I feel like Lepcha language in general, the consciousness about it being an endangered language came earlier because of these Kalampung Lepchas that had to compete with Bengali and Nepali and Hindi and all these other languages as such. When we were young as well, during winter breaks, there would be Lepcha language classes on Saturdays. But that's just this Lepcha uh, language story as such. Of course, with Sikkim government having said that, providing the platform for all the languages, I think we should be doing way better than how we are at the moment. Uh, So loss of speakers is what we are seeing for the most part because the indigenous languages are not necessarily practical as people usually say every day. Yes, people do have a sense of the fact that their language is uh, perhaps being slowly taken away from everyday conversation, but um, we take it for granted a lot, I think. It's not the fault of the community. It's the systemic way of how the public space does not allow us to speak our languages as such.
0: For the next question i'd like to keep focusing on the lecture case if we could so when you were talking about the challenges that the language is facing you talked about the language is losing speakers and so i'd like to ask what people are doing in that situation to try and uh, strengthen the language and uh, protect the language are people trying to create new speakers of the language in any way. And then the second thing is that you mentioned this issue of the language is not considered practical. So, it doesn't have economic uses, doesn't have social prestige and so on. And are people in the Lepcha community working to change that situation? Are they trying to make the language a more practical language in any way?
1: Speaking of Lepcha language, the name Lepcha itself is. Supposed to mean unintelligible speaker. The Lepcha language speakers, when they spoke in Nepali, they could not fluently say certain words. Also, because there are certain alphabets that's in the Nepali language that does not exist in Lepcha language. Something like there's ka kha, ga ga in Nepali, but there's no ka in Lepcha. So something like house car, Lepchas would say gor. And I think this has stuck around for a long time, this inferiority complex that we are speaking something wrong. We're not speaking it correctly. And recently, actually, I met two ladies and they were speaking in Nepali. And I said, you know, everybody's Lepcha. Why don't you speak in Lepcha? And you know, that sense of that's an inferior language sort of stuck through it. Um, And maybe we don't want to accept it as such, but it is true. And I think there have been various times when Nepali language writers have sort of wronged, I might get in trouble, but (laughs) wronged. in You have a Nepali textbook where you write the story of the lepchas and you call them foolish lepchas, uh, murka lepcha it was called. And because lepcha was the official language of the region at one point of Sikkim and Darjeeling Hills, so much so that when uh, the Raja of Sikkim signed the deed of grant of Darjeeling to the British, it was written in Lepcha language, Lepcha, Hindustani and English. So if we're taking the case of Lepcha, how could a language that was the official language, that signed the deed of grant of Darjeeling go to this place. But then, of course, scholars have sort of debated that this is not necessarily from a Nepali language as such. You know, we didn't call them unintelligible speakers, but that's the lore or that's the, you know, that's what has been passed on. And that's what goes on. And also you will hear stories from lecturers who have been told to speak uh, properly. Even my own student, every time we have some program, he wants to tell a joke. So he goes up in class and he says this joke and he says it in Nepali but his jokes are not really funny but the way he speaks in Nepali is a little funny I mean I'm putting it in quotation so everybody laughs but he doesn't realize that and you know your accent that comes about or the way you say it and that sort of added on and there has been this stigma in terms of Lepcha being an inferior language but of course when you have the likes of Menoring who wrote the dictionary say this is far interior than Sanskrit or Hebrew we do have to credit that uh, generation of our elderly people who said no no you have to speak this language so in that Lepcha language did go through a whole sense of trying to retain it. Of course, in Sikkim, we also have Dzungu, the reserve. In North Sikkim, so it's called the reserve because only Lepcha community has been residing there since the king's time. There, the language is spoken. And I think in that scenario, the language did sustain because it's a culturally, linguistically homogeneous area. But then even somewhere in West Sikkim, where Lepchas have been living with limbus, the interesting bit is people have not necessarily uh, researched is there's a lot of Lepchas who know Limbu and Limbus who know Lepcha. So there's been this give and take, a whole lot of borrowed words in both the uh, languages that have not made it eastward as such when we're talking about the uh, state as such. We know that state government, especially in Sikkim, has uh, promoted, has uh, somehow given the space. But having said that, even the government of India has a lot of provisions in the constitution regarding languages. And even if we are 30 or 40 individuals speaking a certain language, we can demand a school as such. But oftentimes what says in the constitution is not necessarily translated. And in a country like India with so many languages, it's not going to happen at all, right? But in Sikkim, it worked for the betterment. But like I said, in the other side, in Darjeeling side, Darjeeling also had the whole Nepali language movement. The likes of smaller languages within the Nepali speaking uh, communities does not find place at all. So when the whole promotion of Nepali language uh, movement was happening, I think there were people who also talked about Lepcha language, and then that time also it was sort of pushed down you know like this is not important it's only spoken by very less number of people and what will a lecture boy who is speaking at home do uh, when he has to find a job so these are actually written out by the Nepali textbook committee as well every now and then it just keeps getting pushed down but the community leaders have saw it that there was going to come a time when the language will be at risk we're going to lose a maximum number of speakers so they did initiate a lot of night schools, Which means if you're not being taught in your schools, you can go to these places where they teach a lot of songs. The communities have also been publishing a lot of different folklores, you know, these stories, etc. I mean, it's now codified as such, a lot of these oral traditions. So those things did come from within the community. So we don't only blame the community for not speaking their language because community also sort of came and said, no, no, this was the language that uh, we were given by our ancestors. So we need to keep continuing because how we look, our world around here needs to be expressed in that language.
0: Okay. You've talked about a lot of challenges that lecture and other languages are facing. There's the issue of having good policy but poor implementation. There's the issue of persistent stigma and discrimination, issues with attitudes in the community and so on, unfortunately common problems in many communities. Given that we're starting the decade of indigenous languages this year, what kind of things would you like to see happen over the next 10 years to improve the situation for Lepcha and some of the other languages of Sikkim?
1: The first bit perhaps is awareness by our own community members. The government also needs to be very proactive in implementing or even coming up with newer ideas. Because I think if you're talking about it, when I tell anyone it's the international decade of indigenous languages, people have no idea. I don't think any of our state governments are even talking about. I probably know a bit because I follow you on Twitter, right? <laughs> we don't necessarily have anyone actively working on indigenous languages in the region. For that matter, both Sikkim, Darjeeling, kalimpong I mean, Sikkim is part of Northeast India, but you know, it's always been a little far. So Northeast India is probably doing a lot better. Of course, we do have that problem of what is indigenous language, etc. But then No state government has come and said, okay, let's preserve our languages. Let's do something about it. So first off, we do need awareness, not only from the community members, but from uh, the state, from various institutions, like the Lepcha department, Limbu department, Bhutia department in our universities need to play an active role, uh, which we have not been doing so at all. Sikkim University also has Center for Endangered Languages. And we're not really promoting, we're not really looking into those aspects. I think we're mostly just interested in the results, okay? There is this language, shall we make a dictionary? Yay, but what about the practicality? How are people coming together and promoting or speaking their languages? A few things that I have also noticed, especially for younger generation, the kids, of course there is all these books, dictionaries, etc., that's available. But even something like basic alphabets, you know, for ABCs, we find tons of board books to posters that is available at any stationery store, but the same alphabets in different indigenous languages of the region can or should be made available. A kid who was born 2022, by the time he or she is 10, will have, you know, access to their language. And I think we can start with those basics as well, because by the time the kid grows up, that would have already been instilled instead of realizing at his or her teen years that, oh, this was my language. So I think something in those uh, lines could also work. Collaborating with community members, state, because we do need state backing. You know, we do need the funds. There's only so much so that communities can also come about. And I think Sikkim, if We try hard enough. I think it can be done. It's a small state and there are advocates of different languages who, if everybody does their own job, it could come about.
0: And just one final, final question. Is there anything that people listening to the podcast can do to support any of those efforts?
1: Yeah, I think uh, community members are also coming up with uh, films. Social media has garnered a lot of attention for this language, which could be used. And why I'm bringing this YouTube bit is there's a lot of vloggers lately. People are enjoying making these vlogs, these TikToks, and I think maybe watch them (laughs) and maybe support. I think the kind of support that is required, or you know, social media sort of gives the kind of platform would allow. But of course, having said that, not everybody has access to social media, especially in rural areas. So I think our target or our reach is uh, more to the generation who does need some kind of assistance from all the information that is thrown and to have this kind of focus on uh, one's own indigenous language.
0: Thank you so much for talking with us, Kusuma. It's been really interesting and I've learned a lot. I will be going onto YouTube after this to watch some lecture videos and to share them around. Uh, for everyone else listening along, I encourage you to go and do the same. You've been listening to Asia Rising, a podcast from Latrobe Asia. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or all accessible podcasting platforms. And you can find us all on Twitter. Charisma is at Destined Nomad. I am at G. Joseph Roach. And Latrobe Asia is at Latrobe Asia. I'm Gerald Roach, and thanks for listening.